Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. He is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. J. Bernard McGee said, translated, this man is not from God because he doesn't do things the way we do them. And I thought, boy, this is so true. You know, nothing's changed. These days, people will kind of accuse you of, you know, you're not from God. Why? Because you're not doing things the way we do them. So Jesus had to face that as well. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his series, Jesus Encounters. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 9, verses 1 through 38, as he examines an encounter between Jesus and the blind men. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, isn't this a great story? It's one of those stories I just love everything about this story. I love just the the compassion of Jesus as you see him dealing with this man. I love the man's, um, you know, his response to his, his own healing. I love his interaction with his interrogators. And again, then at the end, you know, as Jesus comes and, and really reveals himself to him, you know, all of it is just tremendous. I think probably my favorite uh, moment in the story is when the man just expresses so beautifully that simple testimony that, you know, I, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know all the details of who this man is, but this is what I do know. I was blind, now I see. And, you know, that, that really kind of just is an encouragement for us when it comes to sharing our faith. And, you know, part of what we're doing in this series and looking at Jesus dealing with different people is seeing, you know, his heart for people. And hopefully it's an inspiration and an encouragement to us to, to try to connect with people as well and sharing our faith. But, but what you see with this man is just that the simplest uh, form of sharing your faith is just telling people what God has done for you. You know, he didn't know all of the ins and outs of theology and the law and all of that, but this is what he knew. He knew that he was blind and now he could see. And sometimes that is the most powerful thing that you can say. So I've entitled the message, Jesus and the Blind Men, because there's more than one blind person in this story. And that's kind of what we want to emphasize today. As you look at it, there's the man who's obviously physically blind, who receives his healing. But the others in the story that were blind were spiritually blind. And that is a condition much more serious than physical blindness. So it's the story of one who couldn't see and of those who wouldn't see. The man who couldn't see was made to see. Those who wouldn't see remained in their blindness. So we want to sort of contrast those two things ultimately as we come to the kind of the main point, the conclusion of our message here today. But what I want to do as we've been doing and looking at each of these Jesus encounters, I want to just sort of walk us through the story and just point out a few things as we go. So first of all, we want to note the setting. And 
Uh, we don't know exactly when this took place in relation to the things that happened in the eighth chapter, whether it was the same day or maybe a few days later, the location is still Jerusalem. But Jesus is passing by and he sees a man who was blind from birth and his disciples asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Now, this question we need to consider this for a moment because this was related to the theology of the, the Pharisees. We see that at the end when they castigate the man, they say, you were altogether born in sin. So their theology said that if you were born with some sort of malady, then it was because of sin. It was either the sin of the parents. Some even taught that an unborn child in the womb could sin. So this was the thinking of the day. But, you know, that thinking was not just limited to the Pharisees. I mean, this is kind of the idea behind karma, reincarnation, things like that. You know, you people in, say, from the standpoint of Hinduism or, or an Eastern religious worldview, they see people who are afflicted, people who are born with certain uh, ailments and so forth, and, and they would connect it to something bad that they might have done in a previous life or something like that. Uh, but even in our Western secular culture, isn't it true that when you see somebody who has some deformity or some malady or something like this, isn't it true so often that there's some subtle maybe, but it's there, some tendency to think that, well, they must have done something wrong. It's just the way we think. So they asked Jesus this question, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered and said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, period. Now, if you read closely, you notice that in most Bibles, there's a comma there, but actually you could put a period there. And I think that that's probably what should be there. I think Jesus just, he just dismissed it immediately. It, it has nothing to do with whether this man sinned uh, or his parents sinning. And then Jesus goes on and he says, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So if you read it with a comma, it seems like Jesus is saying it wasn't, you know, it was nobody's fault that he was born this way. He was born this way. So God could ultimately get glory through what Jesus was about to do. And it could mean that. That's why many translators put a comma here. But because there's no punctuation in the original Greek, the context is how you determine how you punctuate something. And so some see it that a period is better because the comma then leaves you with the idea that, you know, God allows this person to be born blind and live this way for all these years so he could you know, do this miracle, which it could be. And if God did that, that, God can do that. But it might not be that at all. So that's just a little bit of a side note there. Jesus basically just says, I'm gonna deal with the situation here, that the works of God might be revealed in him. And so 
when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. A strange way to deal with this situation. We would all, I think, agree with that. But you know, John has an interesting pattern all through this gospel. And it's a pattern of making a connection between Jesus and God as revealed in the Old Testament. Remember how the gospel of John begins, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, all things were made by him, without him nothing was made, that was made, everything was made by him. What, what does that remind us of? Well, it reminds us of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So John is drawing these parallels all the way through. When we looked at the, the woman who is taken in the, the act of adultery, remember how Jesus knelt down and he began to write with his finger in the dirt? Remember how I pointed out that there was another place where God's finger wrote on the stone? So John seems to be making these kinds of connections and here with Jesus forming the clay and putting it on the, the eyes of the blind man, remember another place where God formed the dust and then out of this formed dust, he breathed life into it and man came forth. So it, it seems that John is even here making a connection between Jesus, who he is and what he does with the God who created everything. And so he places this upon the man's eyes and then he sends him to the pool of Siloam. Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So the pool of Siloam, Siloam means sent, it was translated sent because it would, the, the, the pool was actually filled with water that was sent from another location. And so the, the name of the pool was sent. But John sees in it a prophecy that even though centuries ago the name of the pool was Siloam, sent, they're, they're just in the very name itself, it was a prophecy of this day when the one who was sent by God from heaven to earth would send a person there to receive his sight. And so the man went and washed and he came back seeing. And then we go into the reaction of the neighbors. The neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this the one who sat and begged? Some said, it's him. Others said, looks like him. He chimes in, it is me. <laughs> I mean, this must have been an interesting exchange there, you know, watching all of this. And so they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, now notice, a man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. This man is not, he never saw Jesus. He heard him. 
He felt his touch upon his eyes, but he never saw him. All he knows is that it was a man named Jesus. That's interesting because, of course, as we go on in the story, he will ultimately see him. But at this point, he has not seen him. Now, in restoring this man's sight, now remember, he was born blind. So this was uh, something that was absolutely unheard of. The man even makes that point later, doesn't he? He says, uh, since the beginning of the world, no one's ever opened the eyes of one who was born blind. You know, nothing's changed. That's basically the case uh, still to this very day. But something that we need to realize is one of the things that the prophets said that the Messiah would do, one of the things that would identify the Messiah would be his opening of blind eyes. So this is going to create a difficulty for the religious leaders because Jesus is doing the very things that the prophet said the Messiah would do. Isaiah 35 verse 5 says, then in the speaking of the messianic age, but of course it's, it's brought in by the, the Messiah, Jesus, then the eyes of the blind shall be open, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. And then in the 42nd chapter of Isaiah, the seventh verse, God speaking to the Savior, he says, I will give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes. So this man has had his eyes opened by a man named Jesus. Now, Let's look for a minute at at the man uh, and his inquisitors. So they take the man now and they brought him to the Pharisees. Now notice how John says in verse 14, now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. John lets us know that for a specific reason. Because what Jesus did was a violation of the Sabbath, not according to God's rendering of what the Sabbath was to be and and how you were to obey it, but it was a violation of the, the Pharisees' interpretation of the Sabbath. So the Pharisees had come along the ancient rabbis and so forth, they had come along and they had taken uh, God's simple command that on the, on the Sabbath day you were to do no work, and they had tacked uh, a million and one things onto it, literally 39 entire chapters on uh, Sabbath regulation. And so one of them was you couldn't make clay on the Sabbath day. That was one of their prohibitions. So Jesus did, as he would often do, he did the very thing that they said you couldn't do. Because Jesus honored and respected God's law entirely, but he did not honor or respect the laws of men. And those laws especially that had sought to interpret God's law. So, so this, is, this is the problem from the Pharisee's standpoint. It was a Sabbath day. And so the Pharisees, they asked him again how he had received his sight. And he says, he put clay on my eyes and washed and I see. And 
Let's look at verse 16. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So the Pharisees themselves are conflicted about it. Some say, this, this man's not of God. Why? He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others say, but well, how, you know, how can a man who's not from God do this kind of a thing? I was reading, some of you are familiar with J. Vernon McGee and his, just his fun down-home approach to scripture and stories, but he said, he said here when they said uh, regarding Jesus, they said, this man, he is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. J. Vernon McGee said, translated, this man is not from God because he doesn't do things the way we do them. And I thought, boy, this is so true. You know, nothing's changed. These days, you know, people, people will kind of accuse you of, you know, you're not from God. Why? Because you're not doing things the way we do them. So Jesus had to face that as well. So they asked the man, and let's just look at some of the responses of this man here. So they ask him again, and they say, what do you say about it? He opened your eyes. The man said, he's a prophet. So for this man, I mean, to him, it's, it's pretty obvious. I was born blind. I've never seen my whole life. Now I'm standing here seeing uh, this Jesus. He must be a prophet, even though he doesn't really know anything else about him. He, it's the logical deduction. He must be a prophet. But they, of course, they resist that. The Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents. And they asked them, saying, is this your son? Notice, who you say was born blind, how then does he now see? His parents answered and said, we know this is our son, and we know that he was born blind. But by what means he sees, we don't know. Or who opened his eyes? We don't know. He is of age. Ask him. Let him speak for himself. Now, John tells us in verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews, the leaders, had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, that they would be put out of the synagogue. Now, they had already decided at this point that anybody who would acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah was to be put out of the synagogue. Now, being put out of the synagogue was huge. This is what the rabbis would call a, a person would come under the ban. And the ban didn't simply mean you couldn't go to synagogue. It meant much more than that. Of course, you obviously then were not welcome to the temple. The synagogue and the temple were two different things. Somebody asked me earlier, you know, what, what is the difference between the synagogue and the temple? Well, the, the temple was the, the primary place of worship, that great and magnificent structure there in Jerusalem that traced all the way back to Solomon originally built it. The tabernacle preceded it. Uh, the synagogue was more a place of gathering to study the scriptures. And the synagogue came into existence when the Jews were in the Babylonian captivity, but then they brought it back to Israel with them when they came back. But as far as these people are concerned, what the Pharisees have said is that anybody who confesses that Jesus is the Messiah is going to be banned under the ban, which meant they were not allowed into a place of worship, 
which meant they were to be cut off by friends and family. It meant that they were not to be employed. It meant that their goods, their products, if they were, you know, sellers or whatever, nobody could buy their products. So the point in the ban was to just completely reject these people, that they were to become outcast entirely from the society. So this is the, the threat that's hanging over the heads of anybody who would even suggest that Jesus is the Messiah. So that's why they're responding to the questions in this way. That's why they're saying, hey, he's of age, ask him. And so they called the man again who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. You know, it's amazing how people can do such evil things and simultaneously evoke the name of God. Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. Now, here's where it gets really fascinating to me. This, you, you gotta hand it to this guy. This guy has chutzpah. Now, you know, he, who knows how long he, who knows how old he was? We don't know how old he was. The text doesn't tell us. But, but he spent his whole life blind. So, you know, you spend your whole life blind, you, you, you got to be a little tough, you know, to make it through life. So this is a guy, he, he just, he's sort of a no-nonsense guy, and he's, he's just going to push back against these guys. And I, I think the way he does this is just so great. He says, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, and it's almost like, this is where, to me, he gets really testy with him. He's like, I already told you. You didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? I think. I don't think he thought they wanted to be his disciples. <laughs> I think he said this intentionally. I think he was poking at them with this. And of course, it brought about the desired effect because what did they say to him? They reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from, the man answered them and said, and this is where it gets really great, why this is a marvelous thing, that you don't know where he is from, and yet he has opened my eyes. You know, th this guy, like I said, I mean, he's gutsy. He's just like, wow, this is amazing. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes? I mean, he obviously realizes the, the magnitude of what's happened. Of course, it's happened to him. But these guys are looking at a man who his entire life from birth has been blind, and now he's looking them in the eye, speaking to them, and they're not even phased by it. Their prejudice is so strong against Jesus, they can't, they can't see beyond their prejudice. They can't see the reality, the glory of the miracle. And, you know, this has been repeated over and over and over again throughout the history of the church. And it still happens today. And we see today sometimes, you know, God is doing amazing things and he's pouring out his spirit and lives are being transformed. And, and yet you get this, you know, this religious crowd who all they're really concerned with are the rules.
Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with the Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin. Jesus has become a stranger to today's culture. Many do not know who he truly is, and many have never even heard of him. Our culture wonders, was Jesus even a real historical person? And why does it even matter if Jesus lived at all? And if he did, what does that mean for you and me personally? These are just some of the questions that Rebecca McLaughlin tackles in her new book, Confronting Jesus. In this book, you'll learn who Jesus is and what that means for you. If you want to know more about Jesus and why knowing who he is is the most important question in life you'll ever have to answer, or if you know someone who needs to know who Jesus is, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with the Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we continue our series, Jesus Encounters. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.